0: You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. As well, you can hear these podcasts at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. There are two publishing houses, steinerbooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, which are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is a reading of Collected Works, Volume 98 by Rudolf Steiner, the listener's notes to 18 lectures, entitled Nature and Spirit Beings, Their Activity in Our Visible World, translated by Christian von Arnhem, this is Lecture 16, given in Munich on the 29th of April, 1908, entitled, The Connections Between Worlds and Beings. Today let us talk about some things that perhaps fall outside the usual course of our reflections, but which will shed light from another angle on many things from past lectures. Today's remarks as a whole are intended to move some of the things we have heard and some of the things we are still to hear into a clearer light. What is to be discussed today is the succession of beings that exist in the world from the human being upward. We have already spoken occasionally of such beings in connection with the development of the earth. Today they are to be considered in a certain other context, namely from the point of view of the characteristics, tasks, and work of these beings. There is a certain laziness in the worldview of today which consists of many people not wanting to place any other beings between themselves and the Godhead. It is so infinitely lazy to think of a mineral kingdom, a plant kingdom, an animal kingdom, and a human kingdom, and then to ascend, without further ado, to the all-pervading God, of whom we believe that we can have a more or less correct consciousness or feeling in one way or another. It is not that easy for real spiritual science. It must interpose beings of the most varied degrees of perfection between the human being and that which we can surmise as the God of the world. This sequence of stages has already been indicated repeatedly. In Christian esotericism, They bear the names angels, archangels, archai, powers, virtues, dominions, thrones, cherubim, seraphim. These are nine different types of beings to whom the human being is attached at the bottom. Only when we look up beyond the realm of the seraphim, so to speak, do we glimpse that which we address as the Godhead. Do not think that it is immaterial and meaningless when it is said that it is a lazy world view simply to ascend from the human being to the Godhead and not to interpolate these beings. If human beings had not forgotten to study and acknowledge them, the aberration of materialism would not have occurred. For we can in a way associate a kind of religious feeling, a kind of dark religious feeling, with ascending directly from the human being to the Godhead. But a real understanding of the world is never possible in this way. Never can we associate a real picture of the development of the world with it. That is why the understanding of the world has now been lost to humanity. And it will always be possible to deny that part of religion which is based only on sentiment, on dull feelings in the face of materialistic ideas. Through the theosophical worldview, an understanding of the world is opened up again by the fact that people once more experience something of these beings, and thus a point of reference is created to counter the denial of a higher world. People who today refuse to recognize this world are preparing the ground for the most shallow and devastating materialism. The materialists themselves are actually the victims in this, the real perpetrators, are those who, out of laziness, do not want to know anything about what exists between the human being and the Godhead. Having thus far spoken about the reason why we must talk about them today, we shall now go into the characteristics of these higher beings in a free and aphoristic manner. We shall first consider the angels who are closest to the human being, the messengers of the Godhead, the angeloi. They differ from the human being, above all, in the nature of their perceptive and cognitive faculty. Human beings perceive and act within a world that consists of the four kingdoms of nature. Their actions take place between minerals, plants, animals, and humans. This is the nature of their perception their acts of will the angels who are one step higher than human beings differ from them in that the mineral kingdom does not exist for their perception their perceptive faculty begins with the plant kingdom and then encompasses the animal human and angelic kingdoms their own kingdom the life of the angels takes place within these four realms That which the human being perceives as a mineral, as filled space, is for these entities an empty space, an excluded space. If you remember what has been described in my title Theosophy, how the human being in the Devakon perceives the mineral world, namely also as excluded, then you also have approximately the perception of these beings who live continually in such a world. The mineral world offers them no obstacle. They can pass through it. It does not interest them. It is too subordinate a realm for them. Their perception only begins with the plant world and extends to their own realm. As angelic beings, they say I, capital, to themselves. By being thus constituted, these beings make intelligible in their actions something which we already know. When the human being has passed through the gateway of death, they first have the strange experience of the memory image. It happens like this. When a person dies, they first have the feeling as if they are growing and growing, and this growth is accompanied by the emergence of the memory image. When the image then stops, a kind of extract remains like the fruit of the last life. This forms a kind of germinating force for the construction of the human being in their next incarnation. It is a kind of etheric, internally structured essence which remains with them as the essence of the experiences in the etheric body and which goes with them through the eternities. If we recall that after passing through Kamaloka human beings take this essence with them to the Devakan and that they are not inactive there but have their essential tasks, then the activities of these beings, who are one step higher, will be quite comprehensible to us. A person will only incarnate again when they can experience something new, when they can assimilate a new fruit. The earth goes through many transformations, and it is therefore incorrect when some believe that it is unnecessary to return again and again. The human being can always experience something new that they can again take with them into eternity. What is it then that causes the earth's surface to change? Who is it that works on the transformation of the earth? How is it that in a certain region a completely different picture of the plant world, completely different living conditions arise? Just as the human being is continually changing the face of the earth on the physical plane with physical forces, Try to imagine, for example, what it looked like 3,000 years ago at the place where Munich now stands. So you will be able to imagine that other changes must proceed from the devakan for human beings only change the mineral kingdom. And there, again, it is the human beings themselves who are continually reshaping the earth from the spiritual realm. But they could not do it alone. They would not know what the face of the earth should look like, what condition it should be in. They can only bring it about under the guidance of higher beings. Those higher beings who guide and lead them are the beings we call angels. They have to do with that part in the human being which is present in another form during the stay in the Devakan. They guide and lead the eternal eye of the human being and because in their nature they reach down into the plant world, they can bring about this transformation of the earth. Now it becomes easy for us to see that these beings are always beings that guide, lead the human eye. Neither do they cease their guidance when the eye is incarnated anew. The eye is regulated and guided by such beings. Therefore the naive belief is not without reason that there is a being that protects the higher eye. But we know that these beings, whom we call angels, were still human beings on the moon itself. They evolved upward from human beings. You can easily understand from this that the human being is on the way to becoming such a being themselves, and on Jupiter they will be. Thus the part in the human being which today is working its way up to a higher existence is on the way to becoming such a being. They are then of a like nature with such angelic beings. There we see deeply into the spiritual development of the world. But we must not regard as something permanent what we have before us in the form of such names. But they are only degrees of rank. If we now ascend in our reflections to the archangels, then we come to beings which again have a different perceptual faculty and a different kind of action. For them, the plant world is also no longer of interest, no longer perceptible. Their perception only begins with the animal world. It is their lowest kingdom. Then come the human beings, angels and archangels. These are the four kingdoms of these beings. Thus we may say that we look up to such sublime beings whose deeds only reach down to the animal kingdom. They live in the animal kingdom, the human kingdom, and so on. Their deeds do not reach down into the plant kingdom. These beings were known to an earlier consciousness of human beings. And here we can take a deep look into the state of mind of earlier peoples and times. Just as our ancestors still felt the deeds of the angels in the plants, so they felt the deeds of the archangels in the animals. That is why ancient peoples showed a certain veneration for certain animals, for example the Egyptians. This is an expression of the knowledge people had. Anyone who looks at the remarkable figures of Egyptian animal worship in this way will stand in awe of the profound wisdom of these people. It was not for nothing that they associated these animals with higher beings and with the human being. If we remember how the life of humanity has always been connected with the life of animals, how progress on earth is connected with the animals, certain lines of business are dependent on the animals, then we will understand what a deep foundation this animal worship had. What is the task of the archangels? Some people today still talk about the existence of a folk spirit, but for most people this has become a mere word, an abstract thing. But that peoples are in reality guided by a real folk spirit, people today no longer knew much about that. This folk spirit, for whom the whole of a people is the same as a human body is, for the human spirit, is an archangel. They are the tribal spirits. While the angels direct and guide individual human beings through the incarnations, the archangels direct the lives of whole groups, whole peoples. Now, we will understand, because the life of whole groups of peoples is deeply connected with the life of certain groups of animals. The Egyptians felt that the Godhead had associated certain animals with them. In this, they rightly saw deeds of the folk spirit. They worshipped the power of the folk spirit that had given them the animal. Now you might ask me, could we not think of a being who perceives the organs of the human being individually and cannot comprehend them as a whole? They cannot think of these organs as forming a whole? So you could say, certainly, perhaps human beings, with their present perception, do not directly perceive the angels and archangels, Perhaps what they perceive are their organs, their ears, their eyes. Or we can imagine that the angels perceive plants, animals, human beings, and angels. What then are these sense organs? Perhaps the human being could perceive the sense organs of the angels. Where are they? They exist and are perceptible for human beings. People just don't know it. The sense organs of the angelic beings will be comprehensible to you, when I tell you that human beings themselves have two eyes for seeing the mineral world, but that they do not directly perceive them in themselves. The sense organs are there to perceive, but they do not perceive themselves. This is how it is with the angels in the mineral world. Their sense organs are to be found in the mineral physical world, but they do not perceive this world themselves. The sense organs of the angels are our precious stones. These are a mysterious tool for the perception of the angelic beings. The organs are, therefore, within the mineral world. Just as the human being has their sense of feeling, their sense of touch, so these beings also have their sense of feeling, and this is expressed in Carnelian, their sense of sight in chrysolite. They have no perception in the mineral world because their sense organs are in it. Even of this we find a dull awareness among the ancient peoples. They attribute a certain effect to the precious stones. This effect comes from the fact that the angels are present in them. What we call the folk spirit exists in a very real way in what we describe as the archangels. Now we go to the archai, which are one step higher again. How are they connected with the development of humanity? If we consider their perceptual faculty, we must say that the mineral plant and animal kingdoms do not exist for them. The human kingdom is what they perceive as the lowest kingdom. Then their perception also extends over four kingdoms, the human kingdom, the angelic kingdom, the kingdom of the archangels, and their own kingdom. So they still reach down as far as the human being. We will now seek out their deeds. Here again we have a term with which people also associates nothing real, spirit of an epoch, of a time. Every epoch has its own characteristics. Let us think, for example, of our post-Atlantean time. The spirit of the time changed in five epochs. In the case of the Indians, it expressed itself in the fact that after a twilight clairvoyance had directly subsided, and the human being stepped out into the physical world. The spirit of the time did not want to acknowledge the physical world, that it wanted to regard it as maya. From then on, bit by bit, we see the world being conquered by the human being. With the Persians in the second period, the human being becomes aware that the earth is a field for their work. They see that they must impress their spirit upon the world of matter. They face the benevolent spirit Ormuzd as servant. The evil Araman is overcome by time. Then follows the third period, the Egyptian-Chaldean-Babylonian time. There the spirit continues to work. The sciences appear. The human being not only understands the world as a field of work, but they seek its laws. The Egyptian finds geometry. The Chaldean seeks the laws in the movements of the stars in external space. The world, in its material substantiality, is thought to be permeated by laws, that is, by spirit. In the fourth period, the Greek period, the human being conquers a little more of this other world through art. Greek art is special, because here the human being imprints their own I-form on matter. Capital I. Then another new epoch followed in turn. And so we could go on step by step and would see how the spirit of the time changes. Just as the face of the earth changes through the angels and the human eye is guided by them, just as peoples are guided by the archangels, so the successive epochs are determined by the archai. It is extremely important to consider the beings that stand behind the processes A different matter is the single human individuality, a different matter, how it works under the influence of the spirits of an epoch. Let us think of Giordano Bruno. It is not he by himself who did what has happened through him. Had he incarnated three centuries earlier or later, he would have been just as gifted an individuality, but he would have had to do something quite different, guided by the spirit of his time the spirits of the time, who are the expression of these archai that reach down to the human being. They put people in the places where they belong. You will understand their work when you look at the individual human being as a tool of these archai, as the material of these spirits. Wherever people appear in a large or small place, they must be judged in this way. For people are to these archai what minerals are to us. It is always a question for everyone who is engaged in spiritual science to what extent this or that personality is the material of the spirits of an epoch. You can see deep into the workings and weaving of evolution when you observe how people are placed in the appropriate places in the world. Let us now ascend to the powers for whom the human being as such is no longer present at all. We shall then be able to form a different idea of what is involved in the development of the forces of nature. The lowest kingdom which comes into consideration for their perception are the angels. For these highly exalted beings, the angels are the same as the mineral kingdom is for us. We have already referred on other occasions to the work of these powers. Everything that goes beyond the individual human being, that is connected with the affairs of our whole planet, that is the actions of these beings if we trace our earth itself back to the time when it came into being and humans with it as gradually forming beings then we come back to the archai but if we want to look at the life and development of the earth itself we have to go back to the powers they have nothing to do with individual human beings but with the development of the planet We have such forces within us in the sun and moon forces. We know that humanity, as such, is under the influence of these sun and moon forces. If only the sun forces were active, the warm, fiery, light-giving sun forces, the human being would develop rapidly, would rush through a life. The retarding force lies in the moon forces. The moon forces force the human being into form. If these forces were the only ones at work, human beings would live only once, have only one incarnation. They would die, be mummified in form. The earth would be covered with statues. If only the sun forces were at work, the human being would also go through only one incarnation, but in this one incarnation they would live through everything that they would otherwise live through in innumerable incarnations. The interaction of both forces brings about the right balance so that human beings can continue to develop in the way they do. The moon alone would have a mummifying effect. The moon now governs the one incarnation, the sun governs the successive incarnations from without, while the angels work from within. There we see the nature and weaving of the powers, which are quite correctly described in the Bible as light spirits, or Elohim, who were there before the earth was created. One of them is Jehovah, who forces human beings into form. In the working and weaving of the powers, we see what is connected with the life of the whole planet. We have the opportunity here to look deeply into what underlies our world evolution. But we have also already heard that certain beings always remain behind in their development, The present powers were archai on the moon. Now, there are such archai of the moon who failed to complete their work on the moon and who came to the earth as archai, who did not develop fast enough, although they had the expectation of becoming powers. The most outstanding of these archai, who could actually be of the rank of powers, is the being popularly called Satan. He is therefore of the rank of the archai and could even be a power. Within the spirits that move the world forward, this spirit of the epochs works against the others. He is such a force on earth as would have fitted on the old moon and is also intimately interwoven with the forces of the old moon. He is the master of all obstacles and hindrances which oppose the advancing spirits of the epochs you will understand what it means in the life of Jesus Christ that he first had to overcome Satan, the opponent of progress, precisely at the moment of greatest progress. For Christ wanted to lead human beings, humanity, a mighty step forward and first had to overcome this adversary as the hindering and obstructive factor in development who did not want the archai of our earth to advance. Christian esotericism calls these wrongful archi satanic powers. That which is often called providence presents itself quite concretely in detail as a group of beings. Human beings would understand many things better if they could once again investigate the connection between sensory phenomena and these spiritual beings. Everything that happens to us in the world is an expression of spiritual beings. For example, you know that the planets, the heavenly bodies, make certain movements around themselves and around others. Why does this happen? The movement of the earth around its axis was not always there. Why has it occurred? Because the human being in their present development needs the alternation between day and night, between sleeping and waking. The macrocosm is intimately connected with the microcosm. Life is regulated by the division of time. During the old moon period it was quite different. There was a completely different division of time, a completely different alternation between day and night, because the old moon moved in a completely different way. The beings that direct the movements today already prepared these movements in their own lives, for behind these movements are spiritual beings. They are the actions of spiritual beings. The human being will one day recognize a profound wisdom in these movements. The orbit of the earth around the sun, this so-called orbit, contains a profound wisdom, and the human being will one day recognize that in it something tremendously significant is happening. Do not be surprised that I say in quotes, so-called. What is taught in schools today about the way the earth moves around the sun is only the result of simple arithmetic. By no means is it absolutely true. This explanation will indeed take on completely different forms one day. Even historically people could teach themselves that it is not so. It is a very strange thing about the system of Copernicus. He based his view on three principles, of which present-day science has accepted only two, but has dropped the third. In reality, the sun is speeding through space toward the constellation of Hercules. Such a movement, as is usually described, is only simulated by the fact that the planets move with it. The true orbit of the earth forms a helical line. What is called the obliquity of the ecliptic is the line of gravity between the sun and the earth. It has been forgotten that in the course of a year the earth rotates once around the axis of the ecliptic and this rotation combines with a helical rotation. Copernicus still kept these two things apart but now it is no longer done. The movement with the ecliptic has been dropped so it does not correspond to the facts at all when people say that the earth rotates around the sun. In truth, there is a helical movement. If this helical line were a straight line, progress would have to be tremendously fast. The earth would have to travel its path with tremendous speed, and that would be just what the human being could not cope with. If the earth were really to traverse those spaces, which it would cover in a straight line, then the human being would have to grow old in the same way. But now the movement is curved in a wise way by the guiding spirits. Absolute progress is retarded, by the other kind of movement. You see how profound wisdom lies in the cosmos. This wisdom is the expression of the guiding spirits. We have regulators of our evolution, given in the angels and archangels. The forces which work from incarnation to incarnation, which drive human beings on so that they cannot be mummified, these are the regulators of the future orbital periods of Jupiter such spirits who stand above human beings and regulate their life are therefore also called quote, "spirits of the orbital periods" close quote, because their deeds will later be expressed in the orbital periods of the heavenly bodies you can see the results of what higher beings did in the past in the way the stars move today and in today's humanity you can already recognize the future orbital periods There is tremendous spiritual life in celestial space, if we learn to look at it in this way. Today it was our intention to consider only what the characteristics of these beings are up to the powers. We can imagine how the outer is the expression of the inner. Many things will change when what is spoken here once again fills human beings. We have now arrived at a tremendous low point in scholarly learning. External progress does not go hand in hand with spiritual life, which would be heading for an immense low point if such truths were not made known, if science were not illuminated by them. People no longer know where to go with their materialistic science. A book on psychology was recently published. We must not think that such a book has no effect, because the author is still unknown. It states that the law of the conservation of energy also applies to the soul. That inner phenomena of the soul consist only of a transformation of food. He says approximately, It has been known for ten years that what is called the law of conservation of energy is identical with the effects of the nervous system. For it can be proved that all that the human being assimilates in the form of energy through food is completely identical with what they do by way of work. As it can be proved that the same applies in human beings as in the rest of the world, there can be no such thing as a soul being. We are only dealing with the transformation of food into energy, which is given off again to the outside. Close quote. That is a very clever conclusion. One could just as well say, quote, two people in front of a bank count the money that is carried in and out. It is the same amount. Therefore, there are no officials in the bank. Quote. But are officials nevertheless not necessary to take care of everything? The view of this psychologist, and a large part of what today is called science, operates on the same level, where an intellectual culture would lead that thinks in such short terms can be imagined by anyone who considers the matter even just a little. It is necessary to have the spiritual knowledge. For this is where the only real impulse for the development of humanity is given. If people do not penetrate behind the phenomena, the world cannot be comprehended. We must arrive at the great comprehensive laws, at the connections between beings and worlds. The End of Lecture 16